Derek Turner. Hey, my friend. Hey, Jason. How are Corey you? Rice. We just had Corey Rice on. Yeah. We just had Corey Rice on and uh, outstanding interview. Um, love the hockey connection that we made. I mean, it was a, it was a Hanson Brothers reunion. <laughs> That's right. We had we had more conversation about that than maybe we've ever had, which was fun. That was fun. It was fun. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Corey is uh, he is all about identity and bringing people into an awareness of truly how God sees them and yeah. bring them to a place of believing what God says about them over what, you know, your brain and your own circumstances say about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking around some of the things that uh, I've been dreaming about and, and were most catalytic for uh, transformation in my life. I'm prone to love uh, th that that book came up and, you know, identity and behavior, how behavior follows behind identity, who we truly are in Christ. Uh, love this conversation. Uh, just a natural flowing uh, conversation about the goodness of God and yeah. how, how we've been transformed by it. So, Well, and I think our, our listeners are going to be really encouraged, especially those that are struggling, feeling alone, feeling like oh, I'm the only one that thinks this way. You know, am I a heretic? Am I this? It's like, no, once you yeah. get identity established, uh, everything else starts, starts falling into place. And yeah. uh, Corey yeah. does an excellent job of helping you remember how God sees you. And he's got a great book out. It's a, it's a 21 day, basically hey. devotional. And, uh, and so I would encourage everyone to run out and get that. But, uh, but yeah, outstanding, outstanding interview and, and a great new friend. I mean, we're finding that there's way more people that are gravitating towards these things than we thought. And yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, yeah a big, you, it's a big deal. Yeah. You're, you're worth the blood of Jesus. It, it's uh he really likes us we're it's, it's a beautiful gospel that just continues to blow our minds and always getting better so yeah i loved this conversation it was past time we had him on he's one of uh two that has a uh, two pastors and a mic is is their podcast That's his podcast yep two pastors and, uh, and a mic and I'm sure some of our audience, if not all of them, know about it. If not, we we recommend it. Friend, a lot of mutual friends, Jamie Englehart, Matt Pandell, uh, who we've had on the podcast. Uh, yeah, the world just keeps getting uh, bigger. It keeps expanding. Yeah. All these friendships uh, awakening yeah. to grace and, and the love of our Father. So, yeah. I was going to say real quick, Corey's book is okay. What If I Told You. Good. And then he has 20 different buzzwords like you're whole, you're a masterpiece, you're God's beloved. And it, it's a game changer for renewing your mind to your true identity. So I uh, highly recommend that. But uh, also we got a Facebook page. Yeah. Rethinking God with Tacos on Facebook, growing community. Uh, I mean, Jason and I have talked about this. We kind of feel like we, we planted a Facebook church <laughs> and there's so many good things happening over there. So yeah. join that, invite your friends uh, as always. You know, like and share this this podcast on whatever format you're doing it on. That helps get exposure and more people get to know about it. Yeah. And then if you'd like to partner with us, you can give to a familystory.org, a familystory.org, go over there and uh, and make a donation, one that you can do joyfully. If you can't do it joyfully, don't bother. But if you are joyfully connected with what's going on here, we invite you to part, partner with us uh, so we can uh, have more resources to get this message further out. Yep, it's good. You can uh, sign up for our mailing list over there as well. We'll keep you up to speed. We have an Instagram account now under the same name, Rethinking God with Tacos. 
lots of fun stuff coming up this year, uh, this new year, 2024. Um, yeah, encouraged, excited. Love doing this with you as always, bro. Yeah, yeah, Jason, this is good. And more hockey talk, please. That's right. This is our conversation <laughs> with Corey Rice. We think you're going to be blessed by it. It's well, good. hey, Corey Rice, we're glad to have you on Rethinking Finally. God with Tacos. Yes. And uh, this is our first time meeting face to face, but we have a, so many common connections. And um, in fact, I'm looking at your your uh, a book that you contributed to Free to Give. Jason also is in this book as well. I always like to hold up the books. There they are. And here's Corey right down here. There's Corey. Hey, And where's Jason? Where is he? <laughs> Scoot up a little bit to your uh, left. Oh, there, there he is go. right there. The classic <laughs> black and white Jason photo. But um, man, great job on the introduction to that book. You got a new book out, but we want to we want to just start the conversation with like your your history, a little bit about who you are. Uh, I, I saw washed up hockey player in there, and I definitely yeah. want to talk about that because I'm also an <laughs> ex hockey player. Jason's an ex hockey player. <laughs> But you're yep. never an ex hockey player, are you? Really, never an ex. You still live in the Glory Beer Beer League, so absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah man. I grew up as a pastor's kid. I only knew the mega church pastors world. So there's aspects of it that you absolutely love, and then aspects of it that you're like, "What is this cult thing that I actually don't want to be a part of?" <laughs> And so that was kind of my upbringing. Um, I'm in a hockey family, got three brothers. We all played hockey. My dad played pros. My grandpa played in the minors, stuff like that. So you have like big skates to fill, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> my dad's side is all Canadian. So, uh, and they met, my mom and my dad met at Michigan State. My dad played at Michigan State in the seventies. Still all time, top five nice. in Michigan State wow. hockey history. So he's kind of a big deal. I never measured up. I didn't get recruited by Michigan State, which was my all-time dream. So I had wow. to settle for the only place I got recruited to play hockey at, which surprising to me, I didn't know Liberty University had a hockey team when I got recruited. <laughs> That's right. So I went and played hockey at Liberty, not because I wanted to go to a Christian school. I wanted nothing to do with Christianity at that time. I went just because, again, they were the only school that recruited me. So I lived that dream, tried to go pros, just wasn't good enough, but yeah, so growing up as a church kid, you know, I don't. I, are you guys church kids or yeah? Now church kid, you get it. Yeah, pastors, dad, pastors kid. Yeah, same. You, you get it. So I, I told my dad that when I went to Liberty, I was like, don't expect anything. I know, like you're proud that I'm going to Christian school now because I was pretty crazy in high school, the typical pastors kid. I was like, don't expect anything, man. If this if this Christian thing is what I've seen behind the scenes, I want. I really don't want any part of it. And I had just a radical experience with Jesus my sophomore year where that's what I, I mean, I gave my life to Jesus when I was like five or six growing up in that kind of culture. But I would say I didn't really meet Jesus until 18, 18, 19. Right. And just, it took me on a different trajectory, got into ministry again in mega church culture and left a, like in my world as a student pastor, I had the job on the market. And yeah. I left with nothing, nothing on the horizon in 2012. I left and people were like, you are missing God's call on your life. Why you don't even have anything to rest on. Like, where are you going? I was going to move back home with my parents was the first time since 18. I was 24 at the time. And 
again, just being in that position and the culture, there's great things about this church and not so great things about this church. Kind of, you can probably figure that out at any church. And I was like, man, I don't know where to go. And a buddy called me in Southern Indiana, which is where I'm at now. He's like, yo, we need a youth pastor. I know you're at this church. I was like, well, I actually just resigned yesterday. And he's like, what? He's like, drive here. So I packed all of my stuff that fit into a Sebring convertible. And I drove from Charlotte <laughs> to Southern Indiana and had a informal interview weekend and never left. So oh, I moved cool. right into my lead pastor's basement. He has four boys of his own. He was like, hey, you're welcome here for like three months until you transition. Stayed a year and finally, <laughs> finally got my own place. Met my wife in Southern Indiana, have three kids. And Southern Indiana to me is home. I tell, I tell everybody, the church I'm at now, if I were to ever leave, I've been here 11 years, it would not be to be at another church. I, I would be out of ministry because like once you find health yeah. in ministry, especially like I'd never known small church. So our church is like 250. I'm yeah. like, this world is crazy. I'm a city boy from Detroit. I've been all over the world, been to Chicago and, and Charlotte and been, you know, Russia, all these places. And you're like, our church, there's a donkey farm across the street, a buffalo farm a mile down the road. And these folk are country. So it was an experience for me, but I fell in love with these folk and just love it. You do have the city life of Louisville being like 15 minutes away. But uh, yeah, Southern Indiana here at Hill City Church, been here 11 years. Absolutely love it. Was the student pastor for 10 years and transitioned to the teaching pastor last year. And yeah, I'm home. So That's beautiful, man. Uh, the, the hockey thing, you still doing the beer league? Yeah. But in Louisville, there's not really like, I, I go to games and the guys will be like, Corey, you can't shoot tonight. And I'll be <laughs> like, Oh, okay. So I, I got a guy his first goal in the history of his life before. So it's kind of like that. It's not really competitive, right. Yeah, but it's still fun to be out there. You know, I was in Jackson, Mississippi, um, for five years, I Canadian kid played triple okay. a and so we probably have lots of stories we could oh, yeah. swap yeah i was all right but uh we uh we i went to bible college i traded that for bible college uh, the ministry the call of god uh anyway uh, uh, uh yeah i uh I, we were we were in jackson mississippi the one rink was like 10 minutes from our house and so my brother and me and, and my dad played all canadians or northeasterners and uh but i remember my dad he was like 55 at the time uh maybe yeah somewhere in that age and some some uh he got poke checked somebody and accidentally tripped him and the guy got up and took a swing at my dad my brother and i were in, in on, on the bench and before we could even think instinct we were over the over oh, yeah. the bench and, and rushing the guy and they had to pull us all back from each other and from that point on we were the clark boys and uh oh, that was beautiful <laughs> Dude, let's that. not downplay your triple a if you're playing triple a you're kind of a big deal Yeah, that's legit that's legit <laughs> yeah, I, I was I wasn't the best player on the team, uh, and I I too thought I wanted to go pro and uh, missed out on a few tryouts, and then and then the call of God. Mm -hmm. I took a left. I took a left when I. But Jason, hindsight. thank you so much for sharing that basically Hanson brothers moment yeah. that you know, <laughs> three of you were all in on it. Uh, if yeah, anyone gets that reference, you're referencing Slapshot. That that let's go. You can let me come on. Well, I, I quit playing when I was 14. I grew up in Wisconsin 
and we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which I actually want to talk to you about. But uh, we the when they lost the um, it was a farm club for the Oilers, and uh, yep. it was the Tulsa Ice Oilers. Oh, yeah. So they had junior hockey, but then they lost it, and so junior hockey went away, and I, I transitioned to soccer. So I only played till I was about fourteen, uh, but I can skate. And all of my dreams that are my best dreams at night are hockey dreams of me scoring goals. And so people um, just don't know. It is the glorious Uh, sport. I love that we're having this hockey moment. It's (laughs) very rare. It's so rare. These pitches in my face, I'm missing seven teeth. So I'm your typical hockey player. Oh my gosh, dude. Well done. Bravo. I'm going to a new dentist and they're like, "Uh, you're missing molars. I'm like, what? Where'd they go? So yeah. (laughs) Oh man, here you are though. You're pastor and you've got a podcast too, which Derek yep. turned me on to uh, several months back. Um, uh, two pastors and a mic, right? Yep. Two pastors and a mic. And you guys had some of the same folks that that we've had on yep. kind of chasing down some of the same, uh, same thoughts about the goodness of God, right. Jesus's perfect theology, rethinking, uh, our faith rethinking church and uh and all all in the context of grace man so you've you've got this website called saints not sinners and uh when i when i first went there i was like oh my gosh i i mean this was the the tipping point for me um and i i've shared it a few times on the podcast i won't spend a lot of time but prone to love uh, is the the book where i i wrote where i'm like this was the shift in my life yeah and it was uh removing a a separation thought ideology about god particularly at the cross where the father doesn't look away and when I got that, I went, oh, my gosh, the Father's not looking away at the cross. God is in Christ reconciling the world. And then it began to deal with our identity. And uh, we have a, a saying in our house that behavior follows identity. But I've been raised the other way around. Right. Same. Uh, and I've been raised uh, to pursue this behavior and, and, and uh, in the context of separation. But suddenly you've shifted yeah. it and you, you realize we're actually saints. And then you begin to find it everywhere. Brian Zond is writing saints in the hands of a happy God. And, and, uh, but here you are, saints, not sinners. I, I'm guessing that there's a, a, a rethinking moment that may have shifted around identity, around the nature of who, who God is. He's better than you, than you thought yeah. and, uh, and, and has led you to where you are today. Maybe share a little bit about that journey. Yeah, it w- well, it was when I came to this church in 2012. You know, I'm, I'm pretty educated on, on paper, graduated from a Southern Baptist theological uh, seminary with two master's degrees. When I graduated, my feet were in concrete. And I know all of the answers and rebuttals to everybody that disagreed with me. And now I'm on that other side, you know? So whenever someone disagrees theologically, it's like, yeah, I I know exactly what you believe. I used to argue the same as you, but you've never tasted this side. So why don't you be a little bit more curious, (laughs) you know? And in 2012, moved here, you know, feeding concrete, always had the questions but was never given the permission to ask them or shunned for asking them. And being around, man, I met Jamie Englehart, who is a spiritual father of our house. His daughter's actually our worship pastor. So Brittany is one of my wife and our our best friends. Um, And she's been here for five years. So we've been in this, that culture. Um, And so just being able to ask questions and then being exposed to people that I was never exposed to in seminary and, theological sides that we were never taught in seminary because you're only taught their wing. Didn't even know there were other options. Didn't even know there were other um, accepted academic views on certain arguments, you know? Right. And so right. 
it wasn't like a one moment for me. It's been like 11 years of deconstructing uh, before that term even became sexy. And even though that process isn't sexy at all, it's like right. the worst. And uh-huh. I had people <laughs> in our court, like on our staff, we didn't go through that process alone, which I think it was so vital for my health. Cause I, if I was doing it alone, I probably wouldn't be here anymore, but having a group of people on staff at a church that were willing not only to have those conversations, but then challenge viewpoints and giving people that time and space to wrestle instead of always giving answers. And so like, yeah, it was, Jamie even says it all the time. And this was my journey to answer your question in a simple way is the hardest part about the spiritual journey is to learn, unlearn and relearn. And it's, so yeah, it's not like a one set moment. It's been my entire last 11 years here at this church. So dude yeah i think you're bringing up something that's so important and that is that uh there there still needs to be a community around yeah. you and jason yeah. and i have found that and I'm, I'm talking to all our tacos listeners right now who are struggling with this because they feel alone uh they feel like they're the only ones thinking this way and it's almost like it's a, a magnetic force it's a pole that is pulling you in the direction of other like-minded people so like just be patient keep seeking keep searching and you will you'll eventually like bump into these other voices and i mean that my that my experience was was pretty alone in my deconstruction while i was pastoring and but i agree with you it's just it's not that one big moment it's a lifelong of changing the way you think and reorienting to Jesus as perfect theology. And so, um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to hear about some of those iterations of yourself. You know, Rob Bell talks about the fact that he's like, oh yeah, that was like, that was 30 Robs ago. And (laughs) I'm not even the same person. So he owns, he owns what he was. I love using this by the way. He's like, yeah, that was 12 Derek's ago. Let's, let's come up to speed now. And, um, but you're right. Once you're on the other side, it's like you've eaten, the delicious steak. Uh, Kruger says it this way. And and now everything else just tastes like cardboard. It's like, hey, just yeah. let me give you a little bite of the steak. And so and um, you can't how have the cardboard right. is, is something right. yeah, other you than can't, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You just can't go back. You can't even pretend. Yeah. 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 Well, I love that you had community around you and had that because that's what we that's what we're trying to provide here in Charlotte uh, through River Church is a safe community for people to come and ask the questions and and all that. But it's it's awesome that you had that. And then I think your your focus on identity is so vital to this whole process. Um, you have a book. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a 21 day book. We have this in common. I also have a 21 day book. I mean, we've, I know, we've right? talked about this earlier. I was like, Derek, why did you have a 21 day book? I'm have a 21 day book. It's like, well, we were destined to be friends for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but in it, in it, you go through and you, you bring people back to their original identity, that they are whole, that they are God's beloved. They are a masterpiece. Uh, talk a little bit about how you, how you came about those, those different, uh, ideas and experienced it yourself. Yeah. So being a hockey player, right? My identity was in it. And I had, I signed my first pro contract in 2010 in Russia because I wasn't good enough in the States. And when that fell through visa issues, my identity was crushed. Like, okay, who is Corey now? You know, because I was the hockey player. And Figuring that out. So that's why I love so much to talk about identity because my identity was what I brought to the table. And 
being just floored with knowing that all those words I talk about in my book are already spoken to me before I even took a breath is, is wild. And, and I love now in the counseling world. So I, I went into counseling in 2019, uh, because, you know, in the pastor world, you're expected to wear all these hats. And I was like, this is wrong for me to be offering counseling advice without having the education to back it up. I, so I yep. went to global grace seminary to do a counseling degree and graduated in 2021. And one of the biggest shifts and even how I do ministry specifically in the counseling world is you have to start off first and foremost by helping people understand that their brokenness is not their identity. Brokenness is what happens to them, their trauma, their childhood experience. That's what's happened to you. And so many times we attach our identity to the things that have happened to us, but wholeness has mm -hmm. been, and will always be people's truth. And so brokenness is the illusion that's created by trauma, but wholeness has been, will always be who you are in God's eyes. And that's my, my most passionate and favorite thing to talk about with people, which unfortunately is, con is what is it? Uh, it's contradictory, not contradictory. It's, um, I just went blank on the word to see counterintuitive. No, controversial. That's what I was going for. Oh yeah. Like, why why yeah. is this so controversial to align myself with how my father in heaven views me? And Come I, on. I, I've been yeah. in the church, you know, like I, I love the church so much, but I'm also very critical of her, especially around this idea because we've, we say, Oh, what's humility. You know, I was at that youth conference where the youth pastor like, who thinks they're humble? And you have half the kids raise their hand, and then he shames them for the next 30 minutes. Like, okay, well, well, Moses said about himself that he was the most humble man that ever lived, right? John writes about himself that he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. Like maybe, maybe we have misunderstood humility and this false humility that you can't take credit for anything is yeah. doing more harm to the body because we don't think that we're amazing. You should think that you're amazing because God thinks you're amazing. Who are you, you going to agree with? The, yeah. whatever's yeah. going on yeah, inside so your good. head or, or the, the creator of the well, universe. Well, the, the idea, the idea that one of the profound shifts, I was listening to a guy by the name of Dan Moeller years ago. Yeah. And uh, he's, he just said this, he said, you're so worth the blood of Jesus. When he said it, it actually offended my head. Of course, it resonated in my heart. And I thought, what is going on that my head is offended with the idea that I'm worth the blood of Jesus? And, and this idea that I've been, I've been raised as though I was unworthy. And he goes on to say, Jesus wouldn't die for junk. You know, he's basically saying your value is revealed in the fact that Jesus came, lived, died, and rose so that you could know your value. You could experience your worth. I, I, I was raised with this, your heart is desperately wicked. And, and it's, it's a polar, it's a highly problematic, almost makes you bipolar because suddenly you can't trust what's going on in here because this thing is desperately wicked. I preached, uh, I got a question for you, but I was at a church to, to, to add to your point. I was on staff at a, at a church. I preached one Sunday uh, that everyone in the room is a spiritual giant. And I was basically preaching identity. I was saying yep. everyone in this room is a spiritual giant. The very next week, and we were in the middle of a church split that I didn't know we were in the middle of yet. The uh, associate pastor got up and finished his message with, there are no spiritual giants in this room. And, and the, uh, the aha for me was, if you want to talk about the, it was two weeks apart, you could see these, these opposing thoughts and theologies 
But I was amazed and heartbroken by how many people shook his hand that day and said, thank you, Pastor. I mean, I'm a pathetic sinner. And if you hadn't reminded me, who knows what I'd do this week? And it was, you know, that kind of thinking. And, and, and uh, you're right. There's, there was a whole lot of pushback against this idea that you're worth, worth the blood of Jesus, yeah. that, that you're valuable to him. Um, and it's the starting point. I, I say this to my kids, and maybe you can speak on this. I you know, when we had this shift, prone to love is the language we put it to. You know, yeah. I, ra- I was raised with the song prone to wander, Lord, I feel yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, so God began to deal with me and say, no, you're prone to love. Your feelings don't determine uh, who I say you are and who you truly are. And so you actually were created in my image and likeness, prone to love. And so we, when we were learning that, uh, we would, we realized that uh, our behavior follows identity. And so when our kids would get something wrong, I think this is what you're talking about in counseling, when they would lie or they would do something instead of addressing uh, the lie, which we'll get to eventually, we've got to address that. Yeah. We want to tell them they're not a liar. Let's spend some time telling them who they truly are, that they're truth, the truth tellers, that they were designed and created to be honest. And that, and then we can get to the, the nature of what the consequences would be to lying and how that impacts connection and relationship and so on and so forth. But, you know, I don't know about you. I was raised often where I was, I'm a liar. If you left me in the yeah. room by myself, I, I'm prone to lie. Yeah. So now I got to spend this wrestling. I'm wrestling with a sin nature that doesn't even exist in Christ, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't ask you a question, man. I'm just preaching now. I love but, it. Uh, <laughs> you're in counsel. You're, I love that you're a therapist. I love uh, uh, that you're going after identity. Uh, out of Bible college, uh, my, a bunch of people said you should be a therapist. And I said, no, nah, it takes too much time. And then I became a pastor and realized, oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what you do. Uh, no, I I refu- I, I'll stand up right now. I refuse to do any counseling. I, I just, <laughs> I'm not qualified. We point people to competent, trained therapists that can help them. I, I, I mean, I do, I do premarital counseling for people that are married, but it's just, it's a process and a program. We'll meet yeah. with people that are, are struggling, but I've never tried to be a counselor and that, that, but the pressure is there for pastors for sure. It's there. Yeah. It takes so much time. I, I love preaching too. But if I can get in a room with someone who's serious about how they think about themselves, I found more fruit in the counseling room than preaching to hundreds of people just because you can attack that false identity so quickly and there's so more receptivity to it. Receptive yeah. to it. So I, yeah. I enjoy it. It's but it's definitely it takes time. Especially when you've been raised in the church and ingrained with so much toxic yeah. identity well, stuff. You, you had uh, you posted a, I, I read this on your Facebook, you post Uh-oh. a 40 second clip where you quoted John five twenty two. the father yeah. judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment unto the son. And, uh, it, it caused a, it, that would have been where you would have maybe realized, oh my goodness, what am I pushing against here? Yeah, that, that yeah. video went viral and, uh, I hate social media, but at the same time, like I use it, but sure. that, I, I didn't know how to handle the backlash, but it's also funny because that that sermon that i preached actually I opened you. up a door for us to go to the netherlands and share that so it's been so much it there's good and bad with it you just got to ignore some of that criticism from people yeah. from the armchair you know yeah. you know Corey. one thing that is coming to mind that was a huge shift in thinking and my wife was the first one to kind of point this out but you know when you're raised in a charismatic culture 
Pentecostal culture, there's so much emphasis on Holy Spirit and the indwelling presence of Holy Spirit, but there's kind of a emphasis or at least a perception that this is the voice that's talking to you all the time and condemning you for your sins. And, you know, it basically, my wife put it this way, if I had a friend that was with me 24 seven and they could read my thoughts <laughs> and, and they knew every, every one of my motives and saw every one of my actions and were constantly condemning me, condemning me, condemning me, I'm screw that friend. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. And, and the, the shift in thinking is no, the Holy spirit is calling you back to your identity. No, you're, you're a child of God. You're loved beyond measure. Uh, you know, and this, this is where we have to get the, the soundtrack of the enemy out of our head. And I think a lot of times it's like, it's just your own, you're your own worst enemy. You're, you're playing this soundtrack over and over again. And that's what I love about your book. Your book is a really practical guide and way for people to renew their minds to this identity of how God truly thinks about them, uh, literally rewire their brains. And, uh, so, you know, I'm going to encourage everybody to, to get a copy of your book. If you're struggling with this, you're not alone. And Corey right. can take you on a journey to, to really, really help you shift that identity back to where it belongs. I appreciate that. For real. Uh, for me, and I've shared about it often here, um, that whole revelation of being prone to love and not prone to wander uh, was on the backside of discovering how good my heavenly father is as Jesus revealed. And so, you know, we use the phrase here all the time, Jesus is perfect theology. It was a safe place for me to rediscover who my father was and find my identity as his beloved son. And then, and then along the way, you know, you, you begin to get language around it. You begin to uh, be able to read scripture in the context of, of, of union. And you've realized that Jesus gets the well-pleased. You know, this is my son whom I love with him. I'm well-pleased before he did any of the stuff. My whole life had been a, a um, uh, trying to, you know, I talked about the call of God taking me down a different path. Um, that call of God was a heavy thing. It was a, it was, mm. it was a pursuit of, of somehow trying to prove my value to God, uh, somehow try to help, help him save people, if you will. And desperation for me was uh, the high watermark of spiritual maturity. I grew up in the charismatic church. So, so when, uh, when I had these, in, these profound transformative revelations about the fact that the father never looked away and the fact that uh, Jesus got a well-pleased before he did any of the stuff and that he was living suddenly from a relationship and not for it, from the finished work instead of towards something. Yeah. Uh, it shifted everything. The biggest transformation for me was that desperation became an illegal thing to participate in as a son. And I began to find it everywhere and uh, began to repent from it. Father, show me how you see me. Show you, show me yeah. how you see others. Was the prayer that I began to to pray. Um, for me, that that was the shift. Um, uh, the uh, I, I guess what I'm what I would be curious about for you is is uh, how you might have how you might have navigated uh, this particular journey for yourself. Um, I don't know what the wrestling match was for you. I mean, identity is the big, big question, right? Like I yeah. get the hockey player identity. Like I get yeah. it. Like 
uh, that was like 18, 17, 18, 19. That was everything. <laughs> um, but, but I just traded that desperation for the call of God, the, the man of God identity. And then I lived in the church for, for 10 years in the same broken insecurity. It haunted me like a ghost. It was constantly there. I used to have a dream. This is my dream. And, and it was like 12 years of this dream and you totally get it. Uh, every, every morning I would wake up. It happened once a month where I'd wake up so frustrated and this is the dream i'm in the, i'm in put my skates on i'm putting all my gear on and I'm, I'm i'm so excited to play hockey everything i want to play in the dream and and then just before i get to the ice it melts and i can't play or uh i'm putting my skates on and i last second i realize i forgot my skates everything's on i forgot my skates my dad has to run get the skates i'm waiting while the game is played and i don't get to play and then i wake up the one constant in this dream was I never got to play. Sometimes I would put my skates on, there were no laces. Sometimes it was, but it was over and over. And I had this dream for 10 years. It, while I was chasing the ministry, the call of God, I never got to play. I was always waiting, always. And it was, I hated this dream. My wife knew about it. I had it over and over and over again. The biggest shift in my life was when I realized the father didn't look away and that, and that he saw me as his most beloved, that I was worth the, the love of the blood of Jesus. I was worth the cross and everything shifted. And, and he, he basically spoke to me that day. There's desperation, insecure. These are illegal activities to, par to participate in as a son. It was an aha moment that shifted everything. Yeah. Um, and that was identity. It was my, I realized my father is speaking that over me. Um, I'm curious if, uh, if you had any, you said it was a journey, but obviously yeah. you're, you're walking it out. Yeah, it was, uh, I did have an aha moment. It was in a counseling session that I was in, in 2018 where, and I've heard other people have similar ones, which is so crazy how the spirit will reveal this, especially when you've been so ingrained with, toxic religion, be religious behavior. Like I used to fast every year to get God to move as if he's a genie, right? right. Like if, if I'm doing spiritual disciplines to get God to move that I haven't found Jesus. And, yeah. and I will say this because I'm a little wild, but if your spirituality has not made you more fun, it's not Jesus you found. There, there's far too many boring Christians out there, but I had this moment <laughs> like in, in 2018, I was, my first real like vision that was for me. And it was this white room. There was a throne and on the throne, there was this figure and I end up sitting on the throne and this figure like bows before me. And I had this tray of objects and it was like all of my efforts, like everything that I bring to the table, all of my education, all of my performance, all of everything that I found identity in after hockey. And I, I was like giving it to this, person who I guess was God and this person touches it and everything turns to gold bars in the dream that okay. in the vision. and I'm like so I had to look that up later right because my mind's thinking like and it just speaks the value of like nothing that I give is more valuable than what Jesus has already given and I go to that room every time I start as Paul Young says every time I start future tripping I go to that room for just a moment of peace and a moment of every time I go to that room now, and I'll go to that room pretty regularly, that figure, which I believe is the spirit, gives me something different, um, whether it's a word or an image. And that's my safe space for me. Wow. But it, I think it goes right back to what you were talking about of these uh, stop striving. I'm a three on the Enneagram. So it's like everything I do is about accomplishment and what can I provide? And am I doing enough? 
and it's it, man, it's been a process. So it's not like just a one moment, but it has been that one moment of that vision that I go back to and completely get refilled, especially when I strive. Cause there's still moments where I strived even today. Sure. There's still moments where I'm like, I'll say something from stage or I'll say something on the podcast. And I'm like, I don't actually believe that that was <laughs> regurgitation from something I was ingrained in so many years, you know? And right. I just think Isn't it's that beautiful though, that we can, we can have a better thought than the oh. last one that we had. Yeah, I mean, right? there, there's a, such a sweet liberty there. Yeah, I was taught that that was yeah. not allowed, so. <laughs> hey guys, interrupt him for a second. Glad you're here. So thankful for this podcast. Thankful to get to do this with friends. Thankful for Derek and all of those who've navigated it with us. Listen, this podcast is done under our nonprofit, A Family Story. 12 years ago, I had a vision and I wrote it down. I'm going to read it to you. Family Story is a relational community of creatives, family and friends. I see all of us as creatives. We do life together. We envision and express God's love through our gifting and grace. We are worshipers, dreamers, storytellers, and preachers, a family of dads and moms, brothers and sisters, daughters and sons, united by a passion to know and reveal God's perfect love. I feel like I'm seeing the fulfillment of some of that vision 12 years ago. Uh, the mandate on A Family Story was to create media content catalytic for an encounter with the love of God. AfamilyStory.org is our website. I encourage you to go there. There's a whole lot of media content there. There's books and articles. Uh, there's films, some music, and uh, this podcast. That's the home of Rethinking God with Tacos which is pretty dang cool. It's been life-giving, as I said, the community around it, the community of creatives, of family and friends that's growing. Uh, it's blown me away. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful uh, for all the relationships, connections, and I'm thankful for all those who've given. Rethinking God with Tacos is listener-supported. If you'd like to support us, you can go to afamilystory.org. Uh, again, we're a nonprofit. And I would encourage you to join us on our Facebook group, uh, follow us on Instagram, all the socials. Uh, if you're curious how to find me on the socials, it's at Jason Clark is otherwise like share, uh, write a review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, tell your mom, we really are loving doing this and I'm so thankful for everyone here. All right. It's time to get back to the podcast. And I love the, I love the idea I love the idea of, or excuse me the reality of these moments that we can always go back to mm -hmm. where we've had a unique encounter that was you know something that we never lose you know it's like it it becomes that place that we can we can go to not not even metaphorically like literally we can go go back into that moment and say be reminded you know wait a second those gold bars you know i, I mean i i think about those things in terms of my life you know i i failed and and my identity was in being a church planter prior to that it was being the international director for a, a global ministry and when when each of those fell um, it's like, I, who am I? I'm gone. I don't even exist. What am I worth? You know? And, uh, you know, now, you know, doing church in the city that I had a church plant completely implode. Um, it's, it's like, 
we have nothing to lose. We're just going for it and being healthy and inviting everyone to the table and allowing the questions and, you know, but, uh, but yeah, you go back, you go back to those times where God reminded you of a truth that it, and it's etched on your soul and, and no one can take it away from you. You didn't do a, a ton of scripture memory to do this. Like you said, you didn't do, you know, hours of fasting. It was just a moment of love reminding you who you really are. And, um, and then the, the peace that comes with that, you know, the serenity and the peace of even not knowing I, I, I look at it this way, you know, I say this often, but you forfeit the peace that passes understanding when you try to understand everything. Right. And that's future tripping. What Paul Young talks about when you're future tripping about, you know, anxious about what's ahead and what's, you know, you're literally forfeiting the peace of the moment right now. That's there to help carry you through to, to the other side. You know, peace was asleep in the boat. And, um, the, I think the invitation was, Hey, you guys want to come take a nap with me or do you want to freak out? If you freak out, I'm still going to meet you. I'll take care of the storm. But man, I think the real invitation was, Hey boys, we've been busy. Come take a nap. The boat's going to take care of itself. We'll make it. Don't worry about it. So, um, but it's, it's hard for people to envision that if they haven't had some type of, of like mystical experience, um, maybe speak to that a little bit because I think people, I come from a strong word of faith culture. So my answer was always to dive into scripture, dive into scripture, dive into scripture. And then when I started having experiences that I wasn't actually finding in scripture and it didn't violate it, but it was like, I found it later. It's like, Oh, okay. This is what, this is what just happened. Um, speak to that for, for people that are struggling, you know, with the, the consciousness and awareness of, of who they aren't. Yeah. Man, you got to give yourself so much grace. And this goes back to proper self-talk. God, God's not in love with a future version of you. And so this pressure to perform, this pressure to be this person that doesn't exist and won't ever exist, it is a process of killing that. But what, what I found is being curious is one of the greatest helps in the Christian walk and being a, okay with slowing down. You know, like we're in such a fast paced culture, we don't know how to be slow. So how do people expect to have an experience or a moment with Jesus, which he's talking all the time, all the time. And if you're slowing down enough to hear it, you, you will hear it all the time. And, and the voice often sounds like you inside your head, which has yeah. been crazy for people in the counseling world. Like, man, I've been hearing God my whole life. I just didn't know. I, I, and, I was, and you're like, yeah, like that's how God speaks. Like he's going to resonate with your soul and spirit. He created you yeah. in his image and likeness. And it's so beautiful and eclectic and unique. I ju just my experience with him is just slowing down and being curious. I learned that from uh, Ted Lasso, I think episode eight, <laughs> when he's playing darts. <laughs> nice. Like, we uh, could all learn some from, from yeah, Ted Lasso. Great uh, leadership principles, but be curious, less judgmental. I think uh, Pete Eanes talks about, you know, the sin of certainty. When we're so certain about everything, Right. We don't give. It could be weird. Those mystic situations are weird. Yeah. Uh, Louisville's got a stay, saying where we're from is like, keep Louisville weird. And it's right. like, you're so scared of weird. But <laughs> I, I think God shows up in the weird. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ted, uh, back to Ted, he's he's kind. Yeah. So kind. So, so kind. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I'm looking for. 
uh, that's my first, uh, if, if I'm ever looking at a leader, that is the first thing I'm looking for is kindness. That's, it's it's pretty the, good part. It's, uh, it, you know, kindness is what leads us to change the way we think anyway. It is the, it is the empowering to repentance. It is, it's what leads us down that road. So it is, uh, and where I see unkindness, uh, my trust uh, is lost. Like Which that. Is- it's ironic that so many people believe the opposite about God. Yeah, so true. So, so. true. Man, I I, uh, I really feel like our listeners, um, you, we've got this gathering now on Facebook. You know, basically, Jason and I planted a Facebook church. <laughs> That's did. how we feel, and <laughs> and we're so grateful for the for the culture of kindness that's happening there and the the amazing thing is is we aren't really striving at all to to maintain anything there's people coming alongside and supporting and answering and you know encouraging and comforting and strengthening people every day in posts on that page and uh and but it, it it's so organic and i kind of feel like this movement that we're in uh, it's going to have to be way, way more organic. I, and like, like you say, the face-to-face discipleship, transformation, therapy, whatever we want to call it, is so much more effective. I had someone tell me the other day, they were like, you know, I get invited to conferences all the time. He said, but I, I literally don't even want to go and speak to the whole crowd. I just want to speak to some key leaders from the area and, yeah. and then let them go and influence so many more people. You know, I, I think with some of this thinking that we're in right now, like, you know, Jason telling everybody in the room that they're all spiritual giants and then getting shot, you know, getting shot down the next week, I th- it's going to get old for people and they're going to start gravitating towards the truth. And when they do, there needs to be space for them to, to gather in because the gathering is not going to change. Jesus wants yeah. us to gather. Uh, it's just that the, the, it may look different. It may look different than a, a concert and a Ted talk every Sunday, but, uh, but, you know, what are you seeing? What are you seeing for the church up there? I mean, it sounds like you got a really healthy church culture. You guys are doing the Sunday thing. Uh, what other things are you seeing kind of for the, the future of the church? Yeah, actually, the fact that you just asked me that question is crazy because the culture of our church has drastically shifted over the last year. Uh, and it started in 2018. So it's taken us five years to actually catch this vision. And I'll never forget it. Uh, my lead pastor, who, by the way, his name's Shannon, he's, he's an incredible human being, best leader in the world. As lead pastor, he preached nine times this year, just so you know. So see, he is, okay, goals, goals. He's, yeah, right. He's, he's your guy. And 2018, he comes into a staff meeting. And, you know, we've always been a grace-based church. They, they, even before I showed up 11 years ago, this church has been around for 40 years, debt-free too, by the way. Uh, so that financial Love integrity it. was such a huge draw for me. They were paying the salary of three other pastors in our area within a 20-mile radius when I came on staff. And I was like, wait, you guys actually believe you're not in competition with other local pastors? That's so beautiful, man. And that was before me. So I'm like, I want to be a part of this group of people. And in 2018, you know, we used to keep track of the numbers and the baptisms and all that stuff that... Yeah, don't even get me started. But he comes into staff meeting. We used to have it on the board, and he just erases it. And he says, our Sunday morning services are no longer going to be the pinnacle of what we do. They're just a part of what we do. And I was like, all right, I'm feeling this. And we've been on this journey of figuring out the next step 
for Hill City Church. And we found it this year. We're, we've called it the reinitiative, rethinking how you do church. So Sunday mornings are great. We'll always do them. We've got a great teaching team. They're a part of what we do, but they're not going to be the main focus. And so we bought a house as a church and we have a single mom moving in December 27th. First house, we have a second house already. I think I can say this on the recording because by the time this comes out, it'll already be set. So we have a second house that the church is buying and 100% of what people give to this is going towards that initiative. And so just afford uh, providing affordable housing for our own little city and really just empowering people in home ownership. And who knows what this thing is going to look like in the next 10, 20 years, but I'm excited to be a part of it. So that's what our lead pastor pretty much gives us. And he's like our outreach pastor as well as being the leader. But so that's what I see is churches really figuring out what's the biggest need in your specific community, because it'll be different. And how can you as a church actually meet that need instead of just focusing and, and paying staff for just a one hour thing that happens once a week? Let's wow. figure out how we can impact people on that Monday through Saturday. That's not just through a message, because that's why we also started the, our podcast and be like, we can give you information. We'll give you information all day long. Yeah. But, uh, to me, information is easy. I do yeah. that all the time. Let's yeah. see where your heart is, because, again, it's not about becoming this bigger person with a huge title and people yeah. wanting you to come speak everywhere. I, I care about the fact do you have a bigger towel. How many feet are you washing in your own yeah. city? Because I don't sure. care about how many people come to your church. I care about what's happening outside yeah. of those, you know, one hour, two hour sessions that you guys have. So yeah, that's where that. we're at. And it's so exciting to be a part of that because I get to do what I love, preach and counsel. And he gets to do what he loves, which is be out in the community. And then our wow. other team, which is, is here, like they're all just killing it. So it's a pretty unique environment to be a part of. That's why I tell people I'll never leave this church to go to another church because it's just incredible. And it's not because I'm here. Like this is, we've had an incredible foundation for 40 years. So. Man, the beautiful ways in which, um, you guys are doing this and Derek and I have this conversation all the time. What does it look like for our community? What does it look like to be a holistic community, practical theology, yeah. not just, uh, the, you know, putting language, which is what we do in the podcast. You know, we, we look at the podcast as a couple of guys on the Emmaus road right. trying to steward the burning, making sure we get the revelation, the in, in, intimate encounter in the house where we break bread and then running back to a, whoever wants to hear it, our friends and telling them what we've discovered. I, I, I think that, I think that's, that's really important, but then what's next, right? right. Like, uh, you know, you know, there's going to be the discovery, you know, put our finger in the wound, make sure that we, but what's next now, what, what does it look like practically? And what does it look like practically for your community and yeah. for the people that, that God brings you and for the people you're doing life with and man, finding our, our graces and anointings and skill sets. One of the conversations Derek and I've had recently, even about, um, you know, we, we jokingly say we've, we've launched an online church, um, and so accidentally, uh, launched this Don't online church, but we're, but we're like, okay, so how do we, how do we, uh, em encourage folks? And then above all, how do we, we've grown up in an authoritarian type of mindset at times. And so folks almost think that they need permission to go do this stuff. And we're like, well, if you need it, you've got it. Yeah. But, but, um, but how do we encourage you to just go do it, start something that, you know, what's burning on your heart 
uh, you know, if it's a soup kitchen, then let's do that. Do that in your in in, in your area and trust that God's going to bring the people and the resources and the connections. But what does it practically look like as a big deal? Yeah, yeah. It is. And I love hearing all the stories, Corey, of the different things you're engaged in. And, and I, I think there's some common things that will happen in, in cities and places around the world. But then there's also those unique things that are, need to happen for just that community geographically. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, what I, I encourage people to do is um, follow the nudge of compassion. Yeah. So in other words, we can, we can see things all the time. We can see problems and issues. You know, the guy in the wheelchair, the single mom, the homeless guy on the street, you know, and, and all the big issues in just our, our local community. And, and that's fine because we're going to spot it. But when the, the motivation for acting and doing something about it, for me, the timing of that comes when that nudge of compassion comes within you to where it's like, no, Holy Spirit is nudging me to do something about this. And then don't even assume you know what to do right away. Man, begin to follow that nudge, follow that voice, because I think everybody who is you know, a member of the body of Christ has the capacity to do what God wants done in every single situation. And the grace for it is going to rise up. I, I love seeing all the different parts and appreciating all the different unique yeah. graces and giftings in people. And, and a lot of times they think it's normal. They're like, oh, that's just me. I'm that way. And it's like, no, not everybody is that way. You have a gift, you know? And so maybe, maybe a big part of servant leadership in the church is like helping to identify and empower and, and give the permission that people think they need. They don't need it. Trust me. Right. They don't need it. Just if, if you want to go start a church, go start a church. Yeah. But, uh, but, don't do but it helped, but it, yeah, right. <laughs> Scratch that. Um, but it does help to have that encouragement from someone that is, you know, saying, yeah, that's awesome. I think that needs to happen. Uh, and then supporting, supporting them in it, um, yeah. emotionally supporting them in it financially, I love the fact that your church was doing that. I mean, we're currently right now meeting Saturday nights in another local church because we got we got booted out of our building and generous local pastor lets us use the space basically for free. And so, you know, uh, that's the kind of kingdom stuff that I think we're gravitating towards. And the other stuff is just going to be seen for what it is. And you either change or I don't know. I don't want people to get left behind, um, but I, I do want a greater kingdom citizenship mentality. And, uh, and that's what I see God doing in the church right now. And it's yeah. so organic. There's no way to actually control it or put a label on it or call it a movement. Um, it's, it's I'm just kingdom. Said, I'm glad you said compassion because I'm sure you guys know that the Greek word in the compassion means bowels. And it's like I, my funniest story. When I go and get asked to preach at like youth conferences, I tell this story about the time I got food poisoning and I crapped my bed and I was 22 years old. I just woke up covered in poo. Thought it was my roommate playing, playing a joke. Because, you know, hockey guys. Locker room, like, what? And so I just tell this elaborate story that's just absolutely inappropriate. And then I just translate that to compassion. Because, like, when you're walking, like, aware of your oneness with Christ, it should provoke an action that cannot be controlled, like poop in your bed. So it's like this hilarious tie-in, like, your bowels and whatnot. Because I love, yeah, compassion is the measurement, to my opinion. 
Yeah, it, it's it's uh, whenever Jesus is filled with compassion, good stuff happens afterwards, and compassion energizes him when he's exhausted. And suddenly, uh, you know, empathy is important. He he stepped inside. He's the incarnation. He, that that's profoundly uh, um, transformative. That Jesus becomes one of us. That's uh, uh, talk about. Uh, uh, picture of empathy but compassion right. is when he then provides the solution out of i love that out of the bowels yeah. i love well, and I, another i think that i think it's in the latin it, it basically has a connotation of come and suffer with me come alongside and suffer with me enter yeah. into my suffering and you know when perfected love enters into your suffering um not only are you comforted and know that you're not alone but that's the man that's the ground where miracles begin to i think begin to take place and what a miracle yeah. is it for the single mom who's has no shot at home ownership to yeah. be believed in and have someone change the trajectory of her life and her um, kids lives i mean my yeah, goodness yeah that generations right right yeah that's the, love that's the stuff right there. Yeah, I, sure. I love that you're uh, back to the, um, what God sounds like often. He sounds like your voice. I think, I think that fits in the context of what we're talking about now, where it's like, uh, what is it that I'm, you know, what is it that, that I'm, it's burning in me to do? What is it that's in me to, that's burning to, to become, you know, be the ability to, to recognize, uh, the voice of God, uh, resonating and, and, and echoing your voice and that, that union, if that makes sense. I, uh, I wanted to throw back to, so you're in a counseling session. Um, because to me that everything comes from that place, right? How do we, how do we steward the burning? How do we encounter him? How do we, how do we spend that moment in the room where the bread gets broken and there's a revelation this is that transformative uh, aspects of our relationship with him um when i was going through uh, that journey where i was stepping away from performance based and stepping into union uh i i i would before i got out of bed in the morning i would say father show me how you see me so first show me who you are show me how you see me show me how you see others that was for me that room that you described um, that, uh, that you go back to when you start future tripping, what do you, what do you do with folks when you're in that counseling session? How do you, what are the tools you give them to find that room? Uh, is there, is there a, is there something that you're able to, is it, you just give them your book? <laughs> well, no, that's a, it's a process and I don't go there all the time with people unless they're comfortable going there. Um, I can't really explain it unless you do a session. I just kind of let the spirit, I'm kind of just, it's not even me. I'm just facilitating the spirit, give people an experience. And honestly, so I've only been doing it full time for a little over a year in my sessions, which has only been like, I've only had like 25 clients over the last year. Yeah. Every single time we've done it, the spirit has shown up as some type of animal, which okay it means something for those people, but I usually right. just guide them into, Hey, let's go back to this. It's usually a childhood trauma and they're in a specific setting. And then we just invite the spirit and it show it, here. She shows up in a weird way and <laughs> it's just so personal. So yeah, it's, it's just kind of more of a guiding facilitating than it is of yeah. necessarily giving tools. But I think you got to get that self-talk right first, because again, like 
you have to believe that you're an incredible human being and it's not to overpower people it's to empower people so that's how you know that's the the test real quick is yeah are you full of love and compassion or are you uh, using this to manipulate people dude so, that's good yeah yeah that is good that i mean that struck me years and years ago when the whole what would jesus do movement was in full swing and you know everybody's buying bumper stickers and bracelets and t-shirts <laughs> uh and it was great i thought it was a great question but like i remember reading in the new york times an article and it was what would jesus drive and uh and they were con this author was convinced that jesus would probably drive a prius because he'd be earth friendly you know and they were just tying it into their whatever their pet issue is which is we, we can do that with jesus can't we yeah. but what hit me is i was like well lord you know it's ambiguous sometimes to know what jesus would do i can't get a first century context and read my bible and just find out exactly what he would do and i heard it so clearly the que the real question is what would love do what yeah. would love do? And now I have a context and a framework in my culture, in my existence to say, well, I'm, love's going to be patient. Love's going to be yeah. kind. You know, so you have at least a, a little bit of a, a measuring stick to do what love would do. And, yeah. uh, and I, I think that's, that's where we're heading. We're heading back to like that the greatest of these is love and yeah. that no, there's no greater love than someone would lay down their life for their friend. And, you know, our existence on this planet is an absolute privilege. And we get to experience, you know, not only the goodness of God and his presence in this lifetime, but we get to carry love to people. And look, I, I'll be the first to say I'm not great at it. I, I'm, I'm pursuing this life of love for myself. But the greater I begin to engage with loving myself, yep. and experiencing the love that God has for me, the greater capacity I have to love neighbor. And so I think that's one thing that your book is, it's, it's so important that people learn how loved they are. They are God's beloved before they do anything. And then, you know, religion just loves to try and get you to, to do stuff. I mean, I had this vision when Jason was telling his story about the guy preaching, you know, there's no spiritual giants in here uh, the week after he spoke. And it was like, I just, I pictured Jason's, standing up in the spirit of David and loading his sling and saying, yeah, the only giant that needs to go down here is that crappy religion. That is not what I did. <laughs> no, I kind of wish you would have, you did it in my brain, Jason. So it, <laughs> I, it feels like it happened. That vision. <laughs> I, I sat on the front row for Gosh. all three services and, and said, Oh Lord Jesus, the different, different gospel we're preaching. But um, I, I, I think you're right, Derek. We love because he first loved. And so that is the gospel. You can't give away what you don't possess. So the, today, my this is the, 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 the one message I share wherever I go. I exist to grow more confident, more sure in his affection today, more sure in his love, and then more sure tomorrow than I am today. Because from that place, I have something to give away. And, and it, it's... Um, I'm now living from something instead of towards something. And yeah, all it. the law and the prophets are fulfilled in this right here that I would know that his love is perfect. And I'm so worth the, the, the blood of Jesus. I and mean, we've come right. full circle. But I, I do have to say this because we got to talk tacos. Um, uh, I read in your bio, uh, like a good hockey player that you can, and I'm, I, you know, you've already, you can use the bathroom with the door open, which is a good hockey player thing. Yeah. I could never do that. That's maybe why I had to leave hockey, but, but, uh, that's, weird. that's, <laughs> and then you, when you told the, 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 the story about sharing, uh, the, 
uh, how you poop the bed uh, for the kids. I was like, okay, this guy, this guy has been a, um, a youth pastor for a while. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Never grew out of it. But uh, was it a taco that led to that uh, that situation? Because I would hate to I would hate to hear that. No, no, it wasn't. It was a Whataburger, which was my first and last experience at a Whataburger. <laughs> yeah, I don't get. I, you know, I'm from Texas, and I do not get the Whataburger craze. I, oh, I just don't our, get it. We've just lost any potential endorsement for Whataburger. I guess that's gone. I, you know that's what? I've, I've learned to enjoy them, but it's not my fave. It and the a- cult like Whataburger status is just like, man, have you had? Shake Shack or Five Guys or In-N-Out? Anything other than Whataburger? Yeah, anything other than Whataburger. I mean, I don't know. I get the Texas mustard pickle thing, which, you know. But, are you uh, yeah. I, are, are you a taco guy? Oh, yeah. There's a bear poop in the woods, right? Like, of course, <laughs> who's not a taco person is the better question. Like, I don't think I can trust somebody if they're not a taco person. All right. You're which, preaching the way, It's not a thing in the Netherlands, which is where we go to. So it's kind of like a, hey, Okay, I have to admit something, which hopefully I don't get shunned for this. All right. But my my best taco experience was in Guatemala, like 2018. But since 2019, my wife and I uh, made like a a drastic health change, and we've been plant-based since 2019, which I don't really tell people that because I get all weirded out. Right. I get it. However, I will tell you this. In in our area, we have the most unique – taco place. It's called agave and rye. And every taco is a hard shell wrapped in a soft shell cushioned by either beans, guacamole, or queso. It's, but they're like meals. You, you, you'll be stuffed if you have two of them. So they they have like lobster and mac and cheese or anything that you can think of. They have. Right. Right. And my pastor who, you know, he'll smoke his own meat for like 18 hours on a regular basis, loves the brisket taco. At this place, mm. they have this fried cauliflower taco. It's called okay. Bang Bang, and it is okay. his favorite taco of all time, and he's not even plant-based. So that is my favorite <laughs> taco. It has got these spicy carrots, fried cauliflower, and Come it on. is just guacamole. It is glorious. But, yeah, so I, I would take Anything. you out there if you ever came to Louisville. I'm in. Anything fr- and fried, man. I mean, that I'm makes down. everything better right there. Come on. It is, it is definitely yeah, we- an experience. We've got a restaurant here that is doing does, does fried cauliflower, and then it's got a glaze of some kind of spicy stuff on it. Jason and I had it recently. Yeah, we just had it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and I'm a cauliflower fan. I could, I, I would, I can see the like chicken wing cauliflower debate. You know, like uh, it's, it's actually good. It's that good, but the <laughs> texture, the texture is kind of the same. Um, uh, I like it. I mean, I'm a both and guy, so, you know, uh, I have to but, tell people uh, like, when they're like, this tastes just like that, like the fake cheese stuff, my kids are lactose intolerant. So we do the fake cheese for them, but I think the fake cheese is gross. Like I don't tell people like, oh yeah, the fake cheese tastes just, just like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't taste anything <laughs> like that cheese. And, and you got to remove that. Like cauliflower doesn't take anything like hot wings. They're good, but they're yeah. their own category. Yeah. You'll turn people off from even. Yeah. 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 No, no. I appreciate I appreciate the authenticity because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bills fan, a Buffalo Bills fan, and, okay. and when I watch the Bills uh, on for, on Sundays, I don't want uh, a cauliflower. I don't want really? buffalo flavored cauliflower. I want buffalo wings, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not the same thing. Well, and you you got the perfect place right down the street from you that yeah. is Taste buffalo. Of buffalo. <laughs> Taste of oh, buffalo, man. man. It's a shrine to Jim Jim Kelly. Good That's lord. That's right. That's right. 
Oh man, uh, this has been good, bro. I, it's about it's been past time that we caught up. Um, yeah, I, I want to say, you know, you wrote me a, a sweet uh, message, maybe uh, um, several months ago. So encouraging, um, just reaching out and and uh, around around the book that we we were working on together, and and uh, so I've been looking forward to connecting with you face to face. And okay. yeah, we got to come up, come up, and. Uh, I've been to Louisville, but I don't know that I've been north of Louisville where, where you've got the, you know, these tacos. So, hey, Jamie, <laughs> Jamie's got his uh, gathering, his, his uh, group connection happened in May. See Baxter Kruger is the main speaker. I, I saw I that. There's a lot of people that run in our circles that you would see. Come on up. We'll treat you to some tacos. Man, that would be amazing. We, we Jason, gotta, Jason, that. road trip. I, I yeah. feel a road trip coming Let's on. Do it. Hey, yeah. the reason why I even know about oh, you is because of Matthew Hester. Who's, Say that again? The reason that I even was turned on to your guys' podcast was Matthew Hester. Come on. He's he comes up to it. So just pitch with okay. him. I will show you guys yeah. bourbon, like the real bourbon here in Kentucky. <laughs> I love Matthew, man. He's amazing. Uh, he was one of the first that I could have these kind of conversations with. And, uh, of course, we've had him on the podcast a couple of times. Yeah. But- but uh, and he connected me with Jamie. So lots of lots of connections. Hey, sh- share with folks where we can find the book, where we can find you. Yeah. Uh, before we go. Yeah. So it's it's on Amazon. What if I told you um, you can purchase it there on my website, saintsnotcenters.com. We're on Instagram and uh, hillcitychurch.tv for our church. But yeah, two pastors and Mike is really what we um, kind of promote stuff there because th- those conversations are a little bit different than what we do on Sunday morning. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, Dude, yeah. love it. Yeah, I'd love encourage it. everybody to get over and sign up for their podcast and uh, and just uh, all of your content is catalytic for an encounter with God, <laughs> which is what Jason and I kind of live by. We want to create content that's catalytic for an encounter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you both have talked me into working on a twenty-one day book. So come on, <laughs> you're next up now. You know the funny the funny thing is mine has a fasting element tied to it. Uh, obviously not mandatory at all. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you can yeah. fast. You can fast all you knock yourself out if you want to fast. Yeah, it's just yeah. from a place right. of fullness not a place from lack come on 100 percent. that's it that's a good place to yep. leave it hey man thanks for being on the podcast yeah, Corey, thank you so much you. Great. Thanks for having me. huge honor hey guys thanks for listening to the podcast if you'd like to learn more about the podcast myself or our guests you can go to a familystory.org you can also go to a familystory.org if you'd like to give this is a listener supported podcast and we are incredibly grateful for your generosity hey we have a facebook group and it's pretty cool Uh, rethinking god with tacos you can join us over there lots of incredible conversation and community taking place on that page and you can also follow us on all the socials instagram uh, tiktok youtube and others hey i'd love it also if you uh, went on itunes and left a review or shared or tweeted or liked the podcast. Uh, Let your friends know that this is a good place to hear about the love of God. I pray grace and wonder over your day.